morning, everybody. I'm Pastor Stefan. It's great to be with you today. Would you please turn with me in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 6. It's on page 307 in the Bibles in front of you there. Uh, like Janelle said, we're doing a sermon series called Sunday School Stories, and we're looking at a, at a handful of stories, uh, Old Testament stories, that normally get taught to children in Sunday school, and then sometimes a version of these stories are taught to children in Sunday school. And then sometimes never, we never get back to them. And we never kind of look at them again with slightly more mature eyes. Slightly more mature. Uh, so that's what we're doing in this series. Uh, we looked at Adam and Eve the first Sunday. Last week we looked at the Tower of Babel. And today we're looking at the story of Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. So, um, also here's a reminder that during this series, Sam and I are using our weekly podcast to address some of the bigger picture issues that are at stake when it comes to some of these stories about um, biblical interpretation and about ancient mythology and about um, whether or not these stories actually happened and uh, what difference it makes if they did or did not actually happen and so on. So, um, tune into the podcast, the Bell Tower podcast, and is that what you do? Do you tune in to a podcast? That sounds like a radio thing. <laughs> anyway, you do whatever you do. You stream, right? Download your podcast. Uh, so you can do that that way. Um, also, if you're a listener to the Bell Tower podcast, um, if you heard our discussion this week, you maybe know that <laughs> just like five days ago, I was really struggling to put a sermon together on the Tower of Jericho. Um, or on the Battle of Jericho. And one of the reasons that I was finding this text so hard to write a sermon about um, is because of some questions that get raised by this text and by other texts that are like this text in the Old Testament where we have war. Um, we have um, God-sanctioned killing. And uh, it, it's a war of aggression, and it's, it's an it's, this story has unprovoked murder in it. <laughs> and what on earth are we supposed to do with that? Because we have this story about Jericho, which we're going to talk about. And then also, there's this guy named Jesus, and he had some, some things to say. And he talked about turning the other cheek, and he talked about loving your enemy, and we look at these two things and like, well, wait a minute, how do these two different, seemingly very different ideas coexist? So I was struggling to figure out how I was going to fit this all in a sermon, and then I figured out what I should have figured out right away is that you can't put it all in a sermon. So um, here, here, here's what we've decided to do, Sam and I. Rather than try to address those very important questions here this morning, we are going to address them in the podcast. Not this week, because I'm on vacation this week, and I'm not... I'm not going to do it this week. But uh, special guests this week, so I hear. But next week, Sam and I are going to have that conversation about Jericho and about some of these hard stories and how we should be reading narratives like that. So tune in, download, whatever you got to do to get your podcasts. We'll get to it eventually. Please, in your Bibles, Joshua 6. Uh, we're going to read the first 20 verses except for a few we're going to skip in between. Listen to God's word. 
Now the gates of Jericho were securely barred because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its king and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. And on the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them uh, sound a long blast on the trumpets, have the whole army give a loud shout, and then the wall of the city will collapse, and the army will go up, everyone straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and have seven priests carry trumpets in front of it. Then he ordered the army, Advance, march around the city, with an armed guard going ahead of the Ark. And now we're going to flip to verse 15. So that happened for six days. On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except that on that day they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the army, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city, and the city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her in her house shall be spared, because she hid the spies we sent. But keep away from the devoted things, so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when all the men gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. So everyone charged straight in, and they took the city. This is the word of the Lord. I often find it um, that when it comes to Old Testament stories like this one, we can learn so much more about it instead of just really focusing in on on that story if we zoom out a little bit. So to figure out what God is doing in this story with this city and and its destruction and these people and these circumstances, we're going to zoom out to look at its context to better understand what's going on. So, um, if you were to flip back in the book of Joshua to the first chapter and read the first chapter, it would be very clear to you what the theme of the book of Joshua is. Because it says it four times, over and over again. Be strong and courageous, And do not be afraid, for the Lord your God goes with you. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. Do not be afraid, for the Lord your God goes with you. Four times to begin the book of Joshua, this is the command that's given. And so when someone or a group of people in this situation is told four times in a row to be strong and courageous, you start to wonder, what are they all so afraid of? 
right? What do they all have to be so strong and courageous about? Obviously, there's something in the, in, in the way, there's something that's, that's keeping these people from doing the things that they're supposed to do. Why do they have to be strong and courageous? What are they afraid of? Here's what they're afraid of. They were afraid of going into the promised land. They didn't want to do it. So the book of Joshua is the story of God leading his people into the promised land, leading them into the land that he promised to them a generation ago when they were still slaves in Egypt, which is something they had tried to do before. They had tried to enter the promised land before. This isn't the first time that God walked his people right up to the border, right up to the cusp of the promised land, okay? 40 years ago, they stood in exactly the same place, right there, right on the cusp of the promised land, ready to enter, and they lost their courage. They couldn't do it. And you can read uh, the story about why. It's in the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter uh, 13 and 14. Here's what happened, okay? They got right up to the cusp of the promised land, um, and um, they got cold feet. What happened was Moses pulled together 12 spies, 12 young spies, and told them to go into the promised land, into Canaan, to just check it out and see what was going on there. Well, uh, they did, and the spies came back, and they said, you wouldn't believe it. It is wonderful in there, and, 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 and the, the soil is fertile, and the vineyards are fruitful, and it's flowing with milk and honey, and the people are massive. And they are powerful, and they are dangerous, and we definitely should not go in there. Uh, the spies got cold feet. And so you can understand that the Israelites got cold feet. But I shouldn't say that, that the spies got cold feet. Ten of them did, two of them did not. There were ten spies who said, it's wonderful, we should never go. And there were two spies, a young guy named Caleb and a young guy named Joshua. And Caleb and Joshua said, no, no, no. Listen, listen, what they said back in the book of Numbers. They said, no, no, no. Do not be afraid. The Lord our God goes with us. They said, we should be strong and courageous. And everyone else decided that they were ridiculous. They said, nope, not going to happen. That was 40 years ago. 40 years ago, the Israelites got cold feet right before entering the promised land, and they decided that wandering around in the wilderness was way better than going into the promised land. Now, here we are again, Joshua chapter 1. Joshua's not just this optimistic young spy who's like, no, we should do it. He's in charge. And they're standing at that same place again, right on the cusp of the promised land, and they're looking into the promised land, and they're staring down the city of Jericho. And that's an intimidating thing to look at. And they're hearing in their ears, the people, the Israelites who are standing there, they're hearing this echo of this thing that Joshua and Caleb had told them 40 years ago, which was, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. The Lord your God goes with you. It was the echo four times in a row in the first chapter. It was the echo of the thing that was told them 40 years ago. Then, and here's, uh, here's what's inter interesting. The rest of this story on the way to Jericho unfolds, and there's more echoes. 
So there's this echo of be strong and courageous, do not be afraid, the Lord your God goes with you, echoes back 40 years. And then as the story uh, unfolds right up to the point of the Tower of Jericho, we hear more and more echoes. Like, for example, uh, in the story of Joshua, the, 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 the spies are sent out into the promised land just like they were 40 years ago. But guess how many spies Joshua sends this time? Not 12, two. You get the symbolism of that? Last time, Joshua's like, last time we sent 12, and only two of them had right minds on their shoulders. This time, we're only going to send two. Last time, we listened to people who did not have the things of God in mind. This time, we're not going to spend our time listening to that foolishness. It was Joshua's way of saying, we're going to do things a little bit differently this time. But there's an echo, right? There's an echo back to the way it happened before. Here's another echo. In Joshua chapter 4, um, the Israelites finally get enough courage, okay? The two spies come back, and they're like, oh, we should totally do it. And they're like, okay, 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 let's, we're, we're going to do this. They finally have enough courage to make it happen, so they prepare to cross the Jordan River to go into the Promised Land. But the Jordan River is at flood stage. Oh, no. What are they going to do? How are they going to get across? Well, here's what happened. The priests took the Ark of the Covenant, and they took one step into the Jordan River. Um, and in Hebrew, the word is to pile up. The water piled up, and the Israelites walked through on dry ground. You hear an echo in that? Right? Because 40 years ago, Moses had his arms up like this, and they're standing by the Red Sea, and the Red Sea parted, and the people said, there is a God, and they walked through on dry land to their own freedom. You hear the echo? How about these echoes? In Joshua chapter 5, uh, they, they, they cross through the Jordan River, and the, they're on the other side. What is the first thing that the Israelites do once they cross the waters into the Promised Land? Well, it's actually two things. First, they circumcise every male that had not been circumcised over the last 40 years, which is exactly the last thing they did before they left Egypt. Okay, so it's another echo back. And then, secondly, they celebrated the Passover again. For the first time, and guess how long? 40 years. Another echo back. Two more echoes from the past. And then, one, one final echo. Um, it's one of the most fascinating exchanges in all of Scripture, in my mind. And I could talk about it all day, but I will not because I'm going on vacation after this. So I will be brief. Just before the war begins... Uh, the very end of chapter 5, uh, Joshua is by himself, and he sees this mysterious figure in front of him, and this mysterious figure has this sword drawn. Uh, and so Joshua says, oh no, who are you? Are you for our enemies, or are you for us? And the mysterious figure says, neither, which is a really interesting answer. And he says, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have come. Now, there are a thousand fantastic sermons there that someday I will preach. But who is this person? Who is this mysterious figure with a sword drawn who is not 
for God's people or for God's enemies. Like, who, who is this guy? Is it some kind of angelic figure? Maybe. Is it, a, is it a, a, like a Christ-like kind of figure, like a precursor to, fright, to Christ? Yeah, it kind of seems like it. But most significantly, for our purposes today, I care a little bit less about who this figure is, and I care a little bit more about what he tells Joshua to do. You know what he tells Joshua to do? He says, take your sandals off, because the place where you're standing is holy ground. You know the last time they had heard that? was the very, very beginning of the story. When Moses was nobody, and he was doing nothing, and he was wandering around nowhere, and he saw a burning bush, and he's like, I'm going to go check that out. And he went, and the burning bush talked back to him, and it was the living God, and the first thing that the living God said to him was, whoa, take off your shoes because you're standing on holy ground. It's an echo. Echo, echo. God is saying, Israel, people of God, Joshua, I was with you back then, and I am with you today. I was faithful to you back then, and I will be faithful for you today. I was serious about keeping my promises back then, and I am serious about keeping my promises today. God is giving his people Every single reason to be strong and courageous. He's removing every, whoa, he's removing every excuse to be strong and courageous, even to the point that he plops a Christ figure in front of the leader of God's people. Are you kidding me? Wow. God is giving his people every reason to be strong and courageous, to enter that promised land and to believe everything that that he's saying with fear and trembling. I love God's grace and kindness in these stories. He is so patient. And he is so kind in the ways that he says again and again, And again, and again, the thing that he had been saying for a long, long time. Echo, 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 echo. The echoes keep coming until the people who are hearing the echoes finally, finally move over the threshold. And it's something that God has to do over and over again for every single generation. Every single generation. Uh, One generation finally understands it, finally believes it, and then he has to do it to the next generation. And then to the next generation. And then to the next generation. And then to the next generation. This is why it's so important for us to keep ourselves within earshot of God's echoes. Because in most cases, we're not convinced by what God says in the first go-round. We have to hear it again. And then we have to hear it again. And then we have to hear it again. And then we have to hear it again and again and again. For 40 years, the wilderness looked better than the promised land. Man, we can be stubborn, right? 
And it took 40 years of prodding, 40 years of echoing, 40 years of reminding. And they had to be inched forward generation after generation until one generation was finally ready to accept the grace that was promised to their grandparents. (laughs) That's craziness. But it makes me wonder, what is the grace that we're skipping past? What is the promise that we're not moving forward on? What are the things that God is telling us today that he might have to tell us for 40 more years until it gets into our thick heads? I'd I don't know about you, I'd rather not spend 40 years in the wilderness if we can go into the promised land today. Jesus has promised us new lives and new hearts and new communities. if we were to follow him. He's promised us new relationships and new forgiveness, and he's promised us a bigger, broader, wider acceptance. If only we'll accept his acceptance. What is the grace that we're kicking down the road to tomorrow? And why wouldn't we take that up today? What is the hard thing that you think God might be calling you to do that, you know, he'll still be calling you to do tomorrow? But why don't we cross the Jordan today? Now, maybe you're thinking, boy, this sermon about Jericho never really talked about Jericho. Hey, don't be so critical. (laughs) You'll notice in the Battle of Jericho, which is a, a horrible story and a wonderful story. In the Battle of Jericho, God does all the heavy lifting. Okay? God does all the heavy lifting. He takes the instruments of war out of the hands of his people. He puts instruments of worship in the hands of his people. And he has them do something, which is, it didn't make a lot of sense at the time, which caused the thing to happen, which he did. God made the walls fall down. Here's what we can take from that. Um, The Israelites showed up. The Israelites showed up. It took them 40 years but they showed up. The Israelites put on their bravest faces. The Israelites listened to their bravest leaders. The Israelites did the bravest things, but it was God who made the walls fall down. We live in a covenant of grace with a God who is for us, 
and who will continue to be for us. And he will continue to echo the covenant that he has made to us and to Aiden today over and over and over and over and over and over. And the more we hear that echo of that covenant, the more it might mean to us. And God willing, the braver we might get. So we will be strong and courageous. And we will not be afraid because the Lord our God goes with us. Pray with me. We thank you, Lord that you call us not to um, easy things, but to hard things. In our lack of courage, it's so easy for us to sit still. It's so easy to listen to old narratives. It's so easy to go back to old places, to wilderness places, even when you're calling us to the promised land. We pray that as individuals and as a community, we would begin to accept the promises of that mysterious warrior who promises us new life, new hope, new forgiveness, and new acceptance. We thank you for Jesus and for everything that is ours in him. We accept those promises today, Lord. And in his name we pray, amen.